Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry at Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I'm blessed to serve as pastor of administration and outreach here at DBC. And joining me again for today's podcast is our senior pastor here at DBC, Pastor Scott Teedy. Pastor Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks again for joining us. And today we are going to do a second part of our podcast series where Pastor Scott joined us last week and shared basically the dynamics of the capital campaign, Building for Future Generations, that both our church and school ministries are going through. And we really shared the nuts and bolts of what that project is and how it's going to work for church folks. Today we're going to focus on the dynamics between Delaware Bible Church and Delaware Christian School. Delaware Christian School is by far Delaware Bible Church's largest ministry. It's one that we've been blessed we've been blessed to be able to have since 1973. Pastor Scott shared with me the same year he was born, DCS was founded, and it has been a tool that God has richly used within our community through all those years since its since its founding. Now, with that, there are often times, as can be with ministries and the whole larger picture of the ministry, there can be tensions that are there. And those tensions can be healthy and they can be unhealthy. And there are at times questions where we can, that we can often get from congregants regarding some of those things. And so we want to talk about those a little bit today, particularly with this capital campaign, but as well within the ministry as a whole. So, Pastor Scott, as we're talking specifically today about the church capital campaign, one of the criticisms that can easily come up in regards to the campaign is the idea that the capital campaign benefits the school more than the church. Now, with that, we can easily see where that comes from because when you look at the overall building footprint— We're building a building or planning on, Lord willing, building a building where more of that space is going to be dedicated towards our school ministry and needs there. Now, I've appreciated personally during my time on staff how you've tried to dispel the us versus them mentality between DBC and DCS as ultimately we're on the same team, we're the same ministry, and we have the same mission. So if someone were to share this criticism with you that basically we're building a building to simply serve the needs of the school, how would you respond to that? Well, in lots of different ways. First of all, as I laid out a few weeks ago, our mission is very clear. Uh, Jesus articulated in the great commandment that we are to love the Lord our God with everything that we've got, love our neighbor as ourselves. He then elucidated in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 uh, in the Great Commission that we are to, as we are going in this life, we are to make disciples. We are to make followers of Jesus Christ, baptizing them and teaching them everything that Jesus uh, taught them. So my my return fireback question uh, to them may be something like this. Is our school, is our school an attempt, as our church is, to love God with everything that we've got, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and maybe this an emphasis on this third one would help to make followers of Jesus Christ. And I would argue that it is that the school ministry, although not every church has one, and that's okay, and it would be okay if Delaware Bible Church didn't have one, but we are blessed 
and we have inherited from our our uh, ancestors, those that went before us, we have inherited the school ministry. The school ministry is is doing well. We're stewarding it well. And uh, should we not continue to steward it because we have the unique opportunity as a church to be participating in this specific ministry to make followers of Jesus Christ? In other words, where, where um, public school students, for example, go to church and they learn the basics of life, reading, writing, arithmetic, so on. Students can come to Delaware Christian School, and students can also be homeschooled and have the benefit of learning not just those things, and hopefully in a more excellent way, but learning about through the modeling of, you know, the adults, the teachers, uh, fellow students, the modeling of the way of Christ and the teaching of the way of Christ. It's a tremendous opportunity that we have. Now, as I shared last week in the sermon, uh, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, it takes work. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. And the complexities of a church and school ministry are bigger. I joke with people sometimes, um, and, I, and you know, I'm just trying to be candid and honest here. I've joked with people sometimes, had I known the complexities of being a pastor of a church with a Christian school, had I known that before I took this job, I don't know if I would have. <laughs> Oh, there, there is probably, and, and I really don't think I'm exaggerating when I'm saying this, probably three times the administrative oversight need with a church and school as you just have with a church our size, for sure. But it, uh, you know, I, I feel like, so So let me circle back to the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Uh, I feel like we're one of those churches that's been given 10 talents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You so you know, steward them. and that's and that's a level of responsibility. We've been given a high level of responsibility, and our job is to steward that responsibility well. And it is tough, and it takes work. Uh, now, um, I will tell you this: uh, this week, new ideas have erupted. We are constantly reforming, refining, trying to make our school better, trying to make our church better. Uh, constantly trying to change policies and improve, you know, personnel decision making and all this kind of stuff uh, to make this place better. And let me also say one other thing. Within our region, there are different kinds of Christian schools. Uh, we are philosophically a discipleship school. What does that mean? That means that, uh, and there's two types: discipleship and um, uh, Open it, enrollment, evangelistic. Evangelistic, yeah. I call them evangelistic and discipleship. We are a discipleship school. What's that mean? That means that we are coming alongside and partnering with parents, in theory, who are uh, folks that are going to church. At least one parent would say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am saved. And uh, we are partnering with those parents to try to uh, assist them in the in the tremendous feat that they have to tr- raise their kids and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so uh, within within our area, um, you know, the central Columbus, greater Columbus area, there are churches that are, there are Christian schools that are discipleship schools. There are uh, Christian schools that are open enrollment or evangelistic schools, meaning they're inviting any student that wants to come, any parents that want to pay tuition to come. And the, the goal there is really to reach out with the gospel and to help them grow and change uh, and, and make the decision to follow Christ. Um but also within our region, there are churches that have a direct link to the Christian school, 
And there are Christian schools that have detached themselves from the church that founded them. Or maybe they're independent schools that never were really founded by a church in the first place. In fact, I can think of one that's, that was founded by originally a, a group of churches. Can I just say this? Um, my observation has, and this is, a, this is not a blanket across the board, but my observation has been that churches, or Christian schools, excuse me, Christian schools that have detached themselves from the churches that founded them tend to drift theologically, and they kind of tend to go the way of Christian colleges. Now, I don't know if anybody is prepared for the bluntness that I'm about to issue from my lips, but I'm, I, I believe I speak the truth that most of the schools and most of the colleges in this nation that call themselves Christian colleges struggle to f- struggle to articulate even a proper understanding of the gospel, let alone a proper understanding of the Christian life. Let me say that again. Most of the Christian colleges, so-called in our nation, who were once bastions of gospel truth and biblical doctrine, today find themselves in a situation that they can't hardly articulate the gospel, let alone be able to articulate what the Christian life looks like, according to God's word. Why? Because they've drifted theologically. And so I am committed and Mrs. Minor, our head of school, is committed to the idea that, that this church and this school will remain united. Why? So that behind the school board, behind the head of school, there is an elder board of wise, biblical, godly men who will ensure that our school is staying uh, orthodox, meaning they're, they're staying in line with what the Bible teaches. Are we doing it perfectly? No, we're sinners and, and we're doing the best we can. But are we always reforming? Are we always trying to get better? Yes, we are. So for these reasons, uh, I, I think it's imperative that we understand that we've been, we've been given a unique opportunity as a church to have, as our, one of our key ministries, a Christian school, and we need to steward that well. Now, let me, let me I know I've gone a long way on this, on this one question, but let me wrap up by saying this. I said in the sermon last Sunday, I told you the story of Clarence Detray. Clarence Detray, a man who came alongside the church leadership long ago. I've never met the man. He went home to be with the Lord before I arrived here. I knew his wife, Nancy, for a time, but she was even on her way to, to go home and be with the Lord when I, when I knew her. Clarence Detray approached church leadership. He's, who was Clarence Detray? He was a businessman who happened to be a Christian who was in our church. And Clarence Detray went to the leadership and said, you know that trailer park, I think we mentioned that in the last podcast, that the area out back behind Mm -hmm. the church, the area to the west of the building, was once a trailer park. You entered and exited off Bell Avenue. And Clarence said, we need that land. And the church leadership said, Clarence, we don't have the money. We do not have the money to buy that land. We don't have the resources to buy that land. And Clarence said, we need that land. So Clarence took it upon himself to buy that trailer park, and he ran that as a business. My understanding, I, I you know, I, the, the details are sketchy, but my understanding is he ran that as a business for a time, and then as people began to move out, he did not rent those spaces to anyone else, and slowly the number of trailers back there began to dwindle, and and then Clarence turned around and sold that property to the church for a very, very reduced amount, basically essentially giving that property to the church. And I just want to say, Clarence was investing. He was making an investment 
in the lives of our church and our school, an investment that he never would ever see with his earthly eyes. And I so appreciate that because we're sitting here talking about building a, a classroom wing on land that had it not been for the foresight, had it not been for the hard work and determination of one Christian man, we wouldn't have the land to build on. So with all that being said, we're, we're, we are a church that is privileged to have a Christian school. We need to steward that, that which God has given us well, and we need to think about, dream about, and consider investing in lives that we may never know on this earth. So Pastor Scott, with that, as we talk about stewarding well, uh, doing our ministries in an excellent way, you have often shared to staff members just a vision that you have regarding the type and quality and character that you would like to see of Delaware Christian School graduates and the positions you'd like to see them in the future. Would you mind just sharing that and kind of fleshing that out for people to hear? I always appreciate when you share this. Yeah, I have this dream. I have this dream that, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now, that there's a group of people out there in the world who are considered by the world, both the Christian and the non-Christian world, to be the world's foremost thinkers, the ones that are filled with reason and wisdom, uh, the ones that are filled with God's word and articulate it well. And they're the, the movers and shakers, so to speak, in economics, in politics, in theology, in, in church, in, in the church. And, they tr- and, and as you identify those people, they trace their heritage, they trace their lineage back to a solid foundation that was laid as they attended Delaware Bible Church. Uh, as they attended Delaware Bible Church and Delaware Christian School, but at least Delaware Christian School. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Amen. And so as you say that, I'm drawn back to when I was in college. I remember specifically there were a lot of business majors that were hired straight out of the college that I went to. And uh, I remember many people saying because of the reputation of the college uh, that folks wanted to hire them fresh out like that. And I'm thinking, if we want to talk about community impact within our community, what a wonderful thing it is when kids graduate from DCS and people say, I want to hire them. They went to DCS. Look at what the Lord's doing through that. I agree with with everything you shared there, and I want to share a couple other points as well. You know, there are some churches, or within churches, there are certain ministries that you take on that kind of become your D- part of your DNA in that church. Yeah, like Awana for Delaware Bible. Sure. Awana has been a long-time ministry that we've done here as a church. Um, I served as an intern at a church that had a Bible printing press, and so much of their ministry was tied into that printing press, and they were able to print literally thousands upon thousands of Bibles to the glory of God in many different languages there. And DCS... Regardless of your feelings on DCS as a part of our DNA, it's a part of who we are, and in a sense, it's like our baby. So what do you do with a baby? You take care of the baby, you help the baby grow up, eventually you want the baby to take care of themselves, but ultimately, if they're not able to do that, they're your baby. And so you take care of it. And with that, we have seen uh, through Pastor Scott originally presenting this plan, it being adopted by the church and the school, the three-sevenths, four-sevenths split plan, which we won't get into all of now, but we've continued to see DCS contribute more and more towards the ministries of 
uh, our, or our entire ministry hold there towards utilities and different things, and that's helped us. Yeah, they're kind of paying their fair share. They are. Yeah, they are continuing to do that, yeah. and it's benefiting all of our ministries. And the that other takes pressure off the church and allows us to, you know, expand our ministries to our people. It yeah. it does, and with that, we see mutual benefits for both sides within our relationship together. DCS has, as Pastor Scott shared, spiritual leadership to where uh, I did not go to a Christian school growing up. I can share with you there was a Christian school in my hometown that was kind of an independent school, and they had pastors from different backgrounds that would basically shepherd that. And as Pastor Scott said, when you have all those different theologies coming together, there can be a very, it can very easily drift. And as well, you know, we're able to uh, enjoy some of the mutual benefits on the church end as well. We just had recently our trunk or treat event, and we were able to have over double the trunks that we would have for that event and reach so many more people thanks to DCS. We're able to have a hardwood floor gym that is well taken care of because we have a Christian school. There's a lot of mutual benefits oh, sure. as well as we We would never it. have built that gym for just a church, right? No, not like, well, not like not that. One, not to that caliber yeah. for My sure. My old church had a gym, but it had a concrete floor, which mm-hmm. was fun on your knees in basketball. I'm sure. But so as I think about that as well, when we talk about community outreach, when we talk about uh, building needs and those type of things, I truly mean when I say this, now I will say I'm biased because I work here and because I see the need and because I, I see the benefit. I truly think if you donate towards a project like this, there's more bang for your buck than if we were just a church with a generic church project that we were doing. The example I'll give is this. One of the things that we're looking at with this project is the atrium space, and that is going to be a wonderful benefit to our ministry. It's going to be a wonderful benefit both on the church side and on the school side. On the church side, it's going to provide us with some great multi-purpose space. It's going to provide us with a room that the youth group can use on Wednesday evenings that's quieter, that's out of the way. It's going to provide study hall space, lunch space, a million other space options for the school. I mean, there's a million different things you could do with that building as we work through it, or that part of the building. But as we I look like the at way it, you said it. I, I really appreciate the way you said it. Uh, I think you said, Pastor Brad, the moment that we finish that atrium space, it will immediately come one of the top five spaces in the building. It will become one of the top five use spaces without and a shadow I, of a doubt. I wholeheartedly agree. And it, and, and it, a lot of it has to do with where it's located. Exactly. It's right in the hub of what goes on on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. on a school day. Yeah. 100%. But with that, though, let's say that we say we're going to do that atrium space, and it's just going to be a youth group space. Look at how many more ministry opportunities that we have because we're involving the church and the school in this, and because we have a school that we can minister to so many more people through throughout the week, you're getting more bang for your buck dollar-wise through that than if it was just a church setting. Yeah, I, I, just, from a, just from a brief testimony, uh, my old church back in Indiana, Bethel Bible Church, shout out to Bethel Bible Church, uh, my old church, Bethel Bible Church, uh, was just a, you know, it wasn't, didn't have a Christian school, and... Um, we consistently had meetings to talk about how can we get more activity in this building throughout the week. It's sitting out here. Mm-hmm. It's doing nothing throughout the week. How can we get, you know, it was there for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. How can we get more? How can we use this space more? And here, we do not have that problem. <laughs> Literally, if you come here on a Wednesday, 
and this is not an exaggeration, and you go to, for example, our gym space, it is used from 7 o'clock in the morning until 10.15 at night. That's right. It is used all the time. We are maximizing what we're able to do with the building there. I never thought about that. That's good. Uh, more bang for your buck. Yeah. I, more I lives really touch for the investment, right? It, it is. Yeah. And so when you're investing in something major like that, I'm going to be more... Uh, I'm going to be more motivated to give for a building that's used six days a week to seven days a week like ours compared to two and a half days a week for a large ministry, because of course we're using it every day, than I would be for something else there. So for many within our congregation, they find themselves, uh, as we would for many ministries, where we care very deeply about their minist- the ministry there, the ministries of DBC, but they're less connected with DCS. So I can understand where, for example, myself, uh, I'm going to be less connected to the legacy ministry, where I cared very deeply about grandparenting and the needs of those things here at Delaware Bible Church, but I'm far from being a grandparent. And so I can You're see closer where... closer than you think. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe age-wise. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for those who fit in this category... Why do you feel like they should still be motivated to give towards this need when a very large portion for what they give is going to be given towards a ministry that they are less connected to? Yeah, let me just say, um, I don't have a complex answer for this. I'll just say this. We do it in our missions program all the time. We do it in our missions program. What I mean by that is that um, a lot of our missionaries are overseas or distant from us in space and time. And... um, uh, space, not time. What are you, time travelers? No, they're distance from us. In di- they're, they're far away from us. And so while we can keep connected with them through emails, through phone calls, through, you know, Zoom, um, they're far away and we're less connected to them than we are uh, here and now with our own, you know, church family. And so, but we, nonetheless, hearing the, hearing the, uh, the call of Acts 1A, you know, for us to be witnesses and, in our Jerusalem, which is our local area, our Judea and Samaria, which would be our local region, and to the ends of the earth, um, which would be to the ends of the earth, we, to, hearing the call to, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, we engage in missions giving. And um, I, I would just submit that it's a very similar thing, even though you may not be as connected to the school. In a few years, I'll be less connected because I won't have a student in the school. My youngest is a freshman. She's got three more years after this. I'll be less connected to the school, but it, I, I pray that it will not decrease my passion for the, the missionary work that's being done in the lives of these young people each and every day. Well, and with that, as we shared about contribution and about how we're able to see benefit uh, from the school, it's a, it's, it's a mutually beneficial thing. Um, as we see the m- things being mutually beneficial there, as the school continues to grow, as our ministry continues to grow, we see more benefits coming from that as well. We see as more kids come in, we can see more kids coming into the church. As more folks come in, we can see, regardless of if we're directly connected with it, how it helps and grows our ministry. And so it's bigger than simply a Sunday morning gathering thing that we're doing or things such as that. Sure. With that as well, um, There are folks that are thinking through the campaign and they are thinking through how much should I give towards this or how can I contribute towards this or they're not really sure where they're at on that. 
Uh, I've had someone say to me, I want to give towards it, but I'm not sure how much I can give towards it. So, Pastor Scott, from your perspective, what advice would you give to someone who is tuned into our campaign, who understands the needs, and who desires to contribute towards the campaign, but isn't sure how much they should give towards it? Yeah, and here I want to be real careful because I think in the following moments, I'm going to be articulating my opinion and not uh, particularly what God's Word would say. In other words, I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to give some practical and wise advice, but God's Word is pretty clear, it's actually very clear, that um, what God loves is a cheerful giver. He wants us to give of our own free will. There's not, I can't, I can't argue with you a percentage. I can't argue with you. I, I can't make an argument from God's Word about a, an amount. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. So I got to be, I got to be very careful and say that uh, right out of the gate. Now that being said, um, if you're a person that says I can't afford to give anything to this campaign, I'm already, I'm working, I'm tithing, uh, and uh, that's about all I can, I can give. Uh, I just want to remind you that uh, giving up, sacrificing a two dollar cup of coffee every day, and I think that if we thought, think about Starbucks, that's a conservative estimate. Um, but giving up a $2 cup of coffee every day could result in an over $2,000 gift to the campaign over three years. So um, there are, there's, I think there's something that, that every person could do. Now, obviously, there's always going to be the person who's on a fixed income. Things are very tight. And whatever they, can, whatever they are bringing in or receiving ahead of or over and above, um, those things need to be kind of socked away for car repairs and stuff. I, I, I'm not talking... Uh, to that person, really, I'm talking to the person who, um, who is able to look at their finances and to consider uh, what I shared in the sermon last Sunday um, about Ma- uh, Matthew 25 and how we are slaves to Christ, and that. That status that we have before him comes with responsibility. We are to take that which God has given us to steward, and we are to expand his investment, <laughs> meaning we are to use that, that we are to steward that investment that he's made in us to, to expand the, his kingdom. And to look at what you have at your disposal, what God has given you stewardship over, and to make decisions generously, sacrificially, uh, in order to uh, fuel this effort, if that's what God lays it on your heart to do. Now, how can you tell whether God lays it on your heart? All I can advise you to do is to pray and to seek a, seek counsel from God's Word and, um, you know, uh, ask yourself the question, uh, you know, are you stewarding what God has give you, given you well, or is this an opportunity and I think it's a key that you think about it this way. Is this an opportunity for you to grow in your not understanding, but perhaps practice of God's word and, um, and to, uh, and to come up with an amount, you know, I, I would counsel any married couple to agree as a couple, uh, to, to, to come up with an amount and commit that amount, uh, to this effort over three years. But as far as specifics, um, that's between you and the Lord. Well, and with that, as we talk about sacrificial giving, I think it's important for us to remember that a sacrifice hurts. 
like that when we sacrificially give, it's going to mean that we are putting in something that may hurt. As you said, maybe it's as small as a cup of coffee. Maybe it's more than that. Can but, I say something about that? Mm-hmm. I, I look back at the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament law, which we do not live under. And I'm, it's, it, you know, having grown up on a farm, and it, it's fascinating to me that God would say to his people, when you come to sacrifice, bring your best animal. Of all your herd, pick the best one and give that one to me. Sacrifice that one to me. Man, I tell you, if that doesn't, I'm sure that as, I'm sure that growing up, we had animals on the farm, we had crops that would come in and we would go, this is the best animal I've ever raised, or this is the best crop we've ever produced and, and all this kind of stuff. And God says, give me your best uh, that would do something to you. I mm-hmm. think that would do something to you. That would help you to maintain focus on what's important if you're always giving your best to God. Anyway, I say all that to say um, uh, a, a sacrificial gift, I think, is the proper thing to do. It is. And with that, uh, as Pastor Scott shared, we advise you to do that in wisdom. So, for example, the one person who said to me, I'm not sure what I'm going to give, but I'm going to talk to my financial person. That's a good place to start. Oh, sure. Uh, And as we think about sacrifice, then, again, referring back to the three main campaign points that we're trying to stress and share, number one, God is the owner of all. So as we sacrifice, we're sacrificing things that we don't own because that goes into number two. We're stewards of God's wealth, not owners, that God has allowed us to steward these things. So how can we best give them back to him in a with a mind of obedience and submission to him? And then number three, we're blessed to bless others. So as we do this, as Pastor Scott shared, for example, with Clarence Detray, uh, he was investing in a future that he wouldn't really fully see uh, how it was going to come to pass or what was going to happen there. But he did so in obedience, and God blessed that. And we are the beneficiaries of that today based on what he's done there and as well based on wise financial decisions from church leadership over many, many years at DBC. So I have really appreciated with that our emphasis on prayer. And again, we just remind you to continue to pray for this campaign. We're doing the 40 Days of Prayer peace for that. Please continue to just make it a daily emphasis to pray for the campaign and through that campaign calendar that we have shared. And I'll get back to that a little bit more here at the end of our time. So as we talk about sharing the commitment for this, here in just a couple of weeks on November the 14th, we're going to gather together for Commitment Sunday. Now, prior to that, folks in the church will have mailed to them commitment cards and information about how to give towards the project here. And that last Sunday on November 14th is going to mark the end of our campaign. Pastor Scott, can you share with us what's going to be different on that Sunday compared to just a normal Sunday at DBC? Well, uh, you know, practically speaking, not much. We're going to gather, we're going to sing praises to the Lord, uh, we're going to you know, we're going to pray together and we're going to hear God's word preached, but we will. I, I'm hoping that there will be a mood of celebra- uh, celebration mm-hmm. uh, of, about what God is doing, maybe excitement about what God is doing through us uh, as we steward uh, faithfully what God has given us. And um, yeah, uh, I, I, I uh, 
you know, obviously once the commitment cards are, are collected, we'll tally things up and, and, uh, announce, you know, in the coming days, what, what's going on. But, you know, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a celebratory time. Now back to the commitment cards. Uh, we, we actually had this conversation as church staff, you know, will it feel too pushy to people by mailing out like in the U S mail, mailing out to every family, a commitment card. We thought about that. And, um, I, I just want to say this, I'm not, I want to be very clear. This is, and I said at the beginning of campaign, we're going to make it easy for you to make a commitment. We're going to facilitate that. We're going to try to explain everything. We're going to try to lay out what the Bible says. We're going to make sure you have the brochure in your hand, the book, the commitment card, the prayer guide. Um, We're going to try to do everything we can to make it easy for you to give. But just because you receive that commitment card in the mail doesn't mean that you have to, that you have to complete it. Um, so just know that. Know that's my heart. My heart is we want to make it easy for you to give. We're not twisting your arm or or putting pressure on you by uh, by doing what we're doing. No, liter- literally outside of the folks that are tallying up the totals of that, no church leadership or school leadership, nobody outside of those who are tallying up uh, what's given for that are going to know anything that's given there. So Correct. it's not like church leadership is going to look at you any differently from that in any way, shape, or <laughs> that form. That would be really bad. That that very much would be. And so with that as well, as Pastor Scott shared, we're doing this in wisdom, but as well, these commitment cards are not legally binding documents. So for example, if you put a total in there, and a year later, you lose your job, and you're let's not able to Let's say Pastor Brad that. commits to half a million dollars. Let's say I commit to half a million dollars, and Pastor Scott... Which I'm encouraging him to do. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm encouraging uh, Pastor Scott and the elder board to uh, majorly <laughs> uplift my salary, but that would be not wise financial Budgeting. advice no, since we make like three quarters... Since the church overall has like three quarters of a million dollars in the bank each year. Uh, but let's say that you make a major commitment similar to that and are not able to fulfill it, we're not going to come back legally and come back to you. We can't do that. That's not the purpose of this. Yeah, it's just to, just to make a rough tally of where we're at. It's for to make for the leadership to make plan. an informed decision, to plan, and to figure out next steps for that. So do so in wisdom. Please as well, don't... Tell uh, the truth. Yeah, don't, tell don't the commit, truth. Don't, don't put a number a that you can't. Don't a million dollars knowing that you're only going to commit 50. Right. <laughs> Uh, but as well, it's not a legally binding document. Last thing that we will share for today, Pastor Scott, is we've been encouraging people to pray for the capital campaign. But let's talk about generally how they can pray for the ministry of Delaware Bible Church uh, and this campaign outside of the 40-day prayer calendar, outside of the things that we can pray for there. How generally would you encourage folks within our church to be praying for this campaign? Well, the, the name of the campaign is Building for Future Generations. And obviously, uh, I would love it if God would move in the hearts of his people, uh, so we can pray for that, that God would move in the hearts of his people, our, our whole family, our church family, our school families, that God would move in the hearts of his people to supply for what is for what is needed. Now, I'm aware that uh, what is needed might not be what we put down on paper. What is needed might be more or less than that. So... Um, uh, that, that God would just supply uh, what is needed. And um, I, I would also pray that people would catch a glimpse of perhaps how future generations will look back on us. 
And, and I know that sounds, you know, that sounds weird to think about, but we sit around this church, we sit around this ministry, and we talk about how the 200 building was constructed and how the money would come in and a little bit of construction could, could would take place, some supplies could be built, things could be added on, and then the money would run dry and construction would come almost to a stop when more money would, would arrive. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and in a, uh, we t- tell the story about how uh, the construction pretty much just continued unbroken until the whole thing was complete, and it was just God's faithfulness through His people to meet the need. And and I and I I dream a little bit about what will future generations think about this effort that we made in 2021. Will people think, um, you know, hey, uh, the church, the school, families, everybody banded together and and did something that allowed more generations of disciples to be built. Um, that's what I hope people can get a glimpse of. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about um, our dear brother, Slim Scouten, who passed away. And I remember Slim sitting at Bun's Restaurant with Slim in town, and he shared with me the story of running electric line until 2 o'clock in the morning in one of the buildings because the guys were, they had a work night after work. They'd come in, and they'd just put the time in. And I was just thinking, wow. Look at how God provided for the needs there, and, and how neat that was. And it w- the romantic part of me thinks, man, why can't we do that now? But then the practical side of me remembers building codes and safety yeah. regulations. The uh, the <laughs> building oversight guy, Brad, says, uh, "Let's be careful there because that's great things, and I'm glad we did things those way. We want to build it right one time, and we want to be done with it. We don't yeah. want to have to redo it all again later." Yeah. And we don't want to have to deal with a million code issues as it is there, too. Yeah. Uh, the do, other th- do, do you remember, incidentally, do you remember the last time we tried to wire something ourselves and, and the building inspector came in or the county inspector came in and said, show me your electrical license, and we didn't have it, and then just walked off the site. <laughs> so we had to yep. go back and hire an electrician who was licensed to come inspect the work. Yeah, that was yep. fun. Yep. With that as well, I'd just encourage folks um, to be praying for, as Pastor Scott shared Leadership will need to make decisions based on what comes in for that. Yeah, wisdom. And wisdom for them with that. We would love, love, love if that was an easy decision. Okay, we got the money. Let's do it. But as well, it could be a, um, there could be many decisions that need to be made, all with different consequences or outcomes and that kind of a thing. So wisdom for the leadership on the school side, on the church side, as we consider that as well. As well, uh, we know that a podcast like this may bring up some other questions that you have regarding the campaign. And so for our last Capital Campaign um, podcast that we're going to do here in a few weeks, I'm going to go through some frequently asked questions about the campaign and just kind of summarize everything again. So if you have any questions like that, you can send me an email. My email is bharris at delawarebible.org, B-H-A-R-R-I-S at delawarebible.org, the church website, and we will be glad to include those in the podcast. Additionally, you can find all the resources that we've talked about from the prayer calendar to uh, a digital version of the brochure for the campaign and more information at our website, DelawareBible.org. And you can also find out more by contacting us here in the church office. Again, Pastor Scott, we appreciate you joining us for these two podcasts. We appreciate you all listening in. We hope you have a great week, and we're looking forward to sharing another podcast with you next week. God bless. God bless.